Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We need to stop overreacting. It is the worst habit to do after one week of games, especially about this guy. His performance wasn't even that bad, yet I get people asking if they should still start him? Come on. He's way too talented and way too valuable with way too much upside in that offense to keep him out of your lineups. For a tease after what was a sensational week one in the NFL. Football's back, ladies and gentlemen, and chances are you are already panicking about your fantasy lineup, but don't you worry. I got you. You know me, we don't like to waste time here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by Prize Picks. I'm Zach Cohen of the 33rd team. I got six players plus the Cowboys' entire offense. Here's what to do with them, starting out with six players who have really, to me, been the most requested, most asked, most tweeted at, most messaged players after what some people would say were pretty disappointing performances in week one. Should you start them? Bench them? Trade them? I'm not talking about Trey Lance or Justin Fields. I got a couple requests about them, uh, but bad weather in that game really makes me think like they could still be on path to finish as we expected them to. I'd still start Lance. Not a huge start if you got a Kirk Cousins or a Derek Carr or even a Marcus Mariota, honestly. I would start them over Lance. Fields still keep on the bench. I want to dive deeper into the quarterback that I have been getting the most requests about. It is Mr. Joe Cool, Joe Burrow of the, well, you know, Cincinnati Bengals, that team, the team that just went to the Super Bowl. Somehow, some way. Burrow put up 18.2 points in a slugfest. And I say slugfest the same way you talk about two grandpas fighting over the last lozenge. It really wasn't anything to get excited about. Burrow had four interceptions. By halftime, I believe he had negative points, if I remember correctly. And props to him. Like, hey, you had the overtime period to get in the extra points. Six runs, 47 rushing yards. What the heck should you do with him? This isn't a recap episode. This is taking what we learned last week and translating that to the future. With Burrow and Dallas, that's who the Bengals are playing this week. Look, I know the Cowboys led the NFL in takeaways last year. They had a couple nice defensive plays against Tampa Bay. You probably drafted Burrow as your quarterback one. If you follow this podcast, which hopefully you do by now, then you would know that I didn't really love Burrow at his price, but still someone you could probably rely on most weeks. I don't really think you have any other choice but to start Burrow. I'm not as high on Mariota as I would be compared to starting Trey Lance. I would start Burrow over any other waiver wire quarterback. Again, I don't love the matchup this week, but he is someone who you should still probably start Again, I will always say this with every player. Always look to explore trades. You just don't need to overreact and sell them high. That will be the common theme of this episode as I move on to the next player. 
And that guy is none other than Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you already knew that. And if you followed me, you followed this podcast already, you would know that what we saw in week one against the Commanders was really the likeliest outcome of ETN's role. He was the pass catching back in Jacksonville. 8.5 points in PPR is really kind of what we expected, at least I would say from a floor perspective. But looking at the stats, ETN played two more snaps than James Robinson, ran eight more routes, saw two more carries, sorry, two more targets. The carries is where the differential uh, really increases. Robinson had 12 carries. ETN had four carries. That's not surprising at all, guys. That really, really isn't. We knew this was a possibility. ETN was always going to be a flex play each week with upside due to his role already cemented in the passing game, but the chance that he does take over more valuable carries in the run game. With week two, Indianapolis. I don't love the matchup, especially if Shaquille Leonard comes back. I think ETN is still, though, a buy-low candidate. I think he can only go up from here. Maybe Jacksonville does play from behind more often. Maybe they start balling. Who knows? Doug Peterson, he's much better than Urban Meyer. Heck, I think we could be better than Urban Meyer. Either way, I think ETN's performance in week one was closer to his floor. If you're panicking about him, don't. And if somebody sends you a trade offer, I would strongly consider buying low on ETN. I would say... Yeah, nothing's really changed. He's still probably a flex play until he taps into that upside, which he is almost certainly capable of. When I compiled these list of players, I wanted to dip into every form of social media and see which players most people are panicking about. That includes Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Across those platforms, I got no player asked more about than essentially everyone on Dallas. Yes, every Cowboys player gets a knockdown without Dak Prescott. We know that. I would say it's more so on the running backs because teams will probably stack the box a lot more. Dallas's offensive line already banged up. They've had a lot of health issues in recent years. I don't really see Dalton Schultz being like that guy who you can't start at tight end just based on one, the depth and two, his role in the offense. I mean, he was the highest scoring fantasy point player in week one with 13.2 points. After that, it was Noah Brown with 11.8 points. No, I'm not saying you should pick up Brown yet. He did see similar usage to Lamb though. So again, if he does start keeping this production up, yeah, I would look into Brown as a waiver wire pickup, especially with priority. But there is no need to sell. Wait and see. If you want to trade them away, sure, I guess, but no need to oversell, especially with the upcoming matchups against the Bengals, Giants, and Commanders. Their secondaries, their passing defenses haven't been too good in recent years years or I guess the last year and then this last week right but either way I'm getting questions like oh who should I start CD Lamb or Curtis Samuel guys I like Curtis Samuel a lot he should have been the top wide receiver pickup on waivers but come on CD Lamb still is a talented receiver we really need to see what this Dallas offense looks like Cooper Rush no Dak Prescott he may not be too terrible at least from a fantasy perspective when trying to figure out Hey, should I start Lamb or Schultz or Zeke? 
I really don't think you should start Pollard, but those other three, I think treat them the same. Maybe knock them down a bit. So for now, keep them in your lineups. Zeke, not a huge priority as he once was. Speaking of Zeke Elliott, his props on prize picks set him at 41 and a half rushing yards. I think I kind of want to hit that under. Look, versus Cincinnati, their defensive line has gotten a lot better. Versus Tampa Bay last week, Zeke had 51 rushing yards. Like I said, I'm expecting Dallas to face a lot more stacked boxes. And if you're not on prize picks already, what are you doing? Last week, I hit Josh Allen over total touchdowns. Mac Jones, Daniel Jones, both interceptions. Like, come on. Join prize picks. Use my code ZCohen. Hopefully you know how to spell my name by now, but if not, Z-C-O-H-E-N. And I'm telling you, they will match your deposit. That's up to $100 free on prize picks when you sign up and deposit. Let me know if you deposit. I will help you out throughout the season. Just hit up prize picks. Use my code, Z-Cohen. Sign up, deposit. That's Zeke under. Looks pretty juicy right now. Gotten a lot of questions about this next player too, and it's Aaron Jones. Guys. Again, if you followed this podcast, then you know that I've been saying A.J. Dillon was a phenomenal value late. And the reason is, we should expect him to see more carries than Aaron Jones. Heck, we should even see Dillon super more involved in the passing game. I Do I have to spell it out for you? They can both exist. So we don't need to panic about Jones yet. Let's chill out. Let's take a let's take a second. Jones did see six more snaps than Dylan. Jones also ran 13 more routes. Dylan saw six targets and Jones saw five. And Dylan also saw 10 carries compared to Jones's five, including a couple in the red zone for Dylan. We knew this could happen. Jones's fantasy football outlook for this season mostly will rely. On the passing game, similar to ETN. This week he's playing the Bears. I still think he's someone to keep in your lineups. And especially going back to this whole concept that there probably aren't any other better running backs you have. Unless you have James Robinson or Daryl Henderson on your bench. Jones is still a start. Obviously, his value is probably going to depreciate. But that was already caked into my projection of him. Not so much his ADP where you probably drafted him. What does that all mean? Again, it's fine. You're good with Aaron Jones. Always explore trades. Still someone to start. You know who else you should still be starting? And this one might be more of a hot take because I've seen a lot of people ask me about him. Cortland Sutton. I would say but of all these players on this list, Cortland Sutton and Travis Etienne are my two biggest buy low candidates. Look, comparing Sutton to Judy in that weird Monday night football matchup against Seattle. Sutton had 44 routes and 7 targets and 11.2 points. That's still fine, right? Judy ran 3 fewer routes, saw the same amount of targets, but he scored. They both had 4 receptions, by the way, and on one of them, Judy had a touchdown. So he scored 20.2 fantasy points in PPR League. Sutton is still getting that wide receiver 1 treatment, but... Again, that possibility, which we've talked about before on this show, I've said it on TikTok, I've tweeted it out, is that Sutton has the upside here, but they can both coexist and produce. It might not be a situation where Sutton's getting you 20 plus points every week. It's possible, 
I have no idea what you should do with Broncos tight ends. My advice, don't even touch them. Cut Albert Okwib them. You are fine keeping Sutton. Interesting this week, though. I wouldn't say he's a priority start, but he's still someone to keep in your lineups. Playing the Texans defense. Derek Stingley Jr. looked pretty good uh, from at least what I saw last week. I still like Sutton in your lineups. We just... I can't I cannot stress this enough. We need to stop overreacting. It is the worst habit to do after one week of games, especially about this guy. His performance wasn't even that bad, yet I get people asking if they should still start him. Come on, guys, come on. He's way too talented and way too valuable with way too much upside in that offense to keep him out of your lineups. Trust me, you're fine with Sutton still. Don't worry. Still start him this week. We'll assess what happens after week three. Rule of thumb, three to four weeks is when you generally get a good idea of how someone's going to perform for most of the season. Yeah, there's outliers. Things change. Yada, 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 bing, bong. Sutton still in the lineup. That's the point you should get across. I'm switching things up a little bit with these last two players because I keep kind of coming back to, hey, like, you asked me about this player, and honestly, I think you're still fine with them. And I do think you're fine with these next two guys, but I'm not so eager to start them this week, depending on the situation that you have on your team. And what I mean by that with this first player is it's Elijah Moore. I love Moore. I love his talent. I think he could be a really good receiver in the NFL. But I can imagine there's at least 24 other receivers worth starting over more. Heck, I'd say there's probably at least 30. And yes, Moore did play the most snaps out of any Jets receiver. Far and away, it wasn't even close. He outsnapped Corey Davis by nearly 12 snaps. He did see, however, the third most targets. And that does sway things a bit, but it is also a fake stat. In a way, because Wilson saw eight targets. Corey Davis saw nine targets. So you see... Moore was getting the looks. He was getting the usage. Keep in mind, though, the Jets were in a negative game script. Is that going to happen against Cleveland this weekend? I'm not so sure. I don't really think so. So I like Moore. I do. But for week two, I'm not totally eager to get him in my lineups. And no, I do not think Joe Flacco has anything to do with that. His outlook to me is the same with Flacco and Zach Wilson. Not saying Flacco and Wilson are the same players. I just think Moore is good enough where he will be fine either way. Just not a huge fan of him this week. But I'm prepared to eat my words on that for sure. One more player at a position that many people get headaches over. And if you do have any other questions before we get to this player, you are more than welcome. Heck, I encourage it for you to reach out to me on all social media platforms at Zach Cohen FB, Z-A-C-H-C-O-H-E-N-F-B. And... Feel free to follow all the content that I'm helping to produce over at the 33rd team. Just got hired to help build out the phenomenal work that they're already doing and really enhance the fantasy DFS and betting side. So go check out the 33rdteam.com. Again, prize picks, code ZCohen, sign up, deposit, get your money matched. Boom, man, it's that easy. It really is that easy. What might not be easy for some, and I can understand why, is to play TJ Hawkinson at tight end this week. Let's run through some quick stats real quick. Just a couple seconds. 63 snaps, most among skill players of all Lions last week. Only 7.8 points in PPR leagues, though. He was a tight end 17, but we know that there were flukes. 
OJ Howard, the Seahawks tight ends, Colby Parkinson was one of them. Like, come on, that inflates stats in week two. I really don't think you have a better tight end to start. I would doubt you have Hawkinson as a backup. If you have Pat Fryermuth as a backup, sure, go with him. If you sign Gerald Everett, yeah, I'd like Everett. I actually would really like Everett over Hawkinson, I think. I think he'll get more opportunities as a pass catcher in what should be a higher scoring game. I have been patting them on the back for a while now, but I do not think that that offense is necessarily sustainable for anyone not named Swift or Amon Ross St. Brown. So I like Hawk. I do. He was my tight end to draft last season, but for now... I don't love him. You just may have to start him regardless. I also don't really love his prop on prize picks. 43 and a half receiving yards. I think I'd probably take it if I had to, to be honest. But either way, not someone I love. Keep an eye on him. Just based off the value of the tight end position, you might have to keep him. That will do it for this week's episode of the Breakout Football Podcast. Again, still really trying to nail down this new schedule with this new job and make sure that I'm at least getting some content out in podcast form. But if you do have any questions, again, Zach Cohen FB everywhere. Reach out. I literally respond to all of my comments, especially on TikTok. I drop a couple videos a day, or at least I'm trying to. I do a couple lives a week. Have some really good discourse. Make sure to follow me there. And of course, if you are not following the Breakout Football Podcast right here on Believe Network, make sure you're doing that. And hey, use my code ZCohen on Prize Picks. Have a great week, too, everyone. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.